every weekend at Talk America Live. Twitch live stream each and every Sunday. The Mix on Tuesdays. And find us 50 plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. iHeartRadio as well. Find our website, JiggyJaguar.com. We have got a brand new, brand new spanking marketing partner with us today. Transmedia Worldwide. These folks are absolutely amazing. They are doing some amazing things in the world around us. It's a great new campaign. Go over to leafecology.com. L-E-A-F-E-C-O-L-O-G-Y.com. They're wanting to sell 100%, 100% biodegradable, disposable salt leaf plates. That's right. They're great plastic alternative, safe to the environment. They are launching a campaign. Check it out today. L-E-A-F-E-C-O-L-O-G-Y dot com. Check out the footer section. They're going to be raising the amount to make these available plates for more people. One plate saves at least 1.72 liters of water. That's right. L-E-A-F-E-C-O-L-O-G-Y dot com. And tell them you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. Welcome to the next edition of the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Broadcast. We are coast-to-coast, border-to-border. Tune in, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and we are going to get our guest with us. Uh, (laughs) And then we'll call the boys here on our big broadcast. Coast-to-coast and border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, and Radio Loyalty. We're going to get Sandra Lee with us uh wow okay well she uh, apparently must be a Okay, then we'll do this. I'm IQ uh, and Dan. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. We sure can. Fantastic. We have got uh, no guests today because uh, we we have a lot to talk about here with IQ Al Rizzoli and Dan Perkins. And um, first of all, Dan, I want to get your thoughts on this debacle that took place last night in Iowa. Um, it has now come out that um, uh, Mayor Pete uh, helped finance the app. Um, <laughs> also, uh, this this whole thing of just debacle and craziness and people voted for him and then they went oh no i didn't want to vote for him uh bernie essentially looked like he won early uh what do you make of all this well from what i understand iq and i were just talking about that before we went on the air that is the last thing i heard and it may have been updated at about now they were supposed to report 50 percent of the vote 50%. And that um, 
depending upon who you were listening to on the radio today, they were talking about which 50% would be reported. There is a great deal of untrust in the part of the Bernie Sanders camp yes. that he got hammered again. Now, we don't know that, that for sure, except that the board of the company who created the software that was used by the the Democratic Party was controlled basically by Hillary former supporters. Yes. So Hillary is now involved was involved in the um, indirectly involved in the software. Um, it is amazing to me that and I don't know when the software was put in, why there was not at least one run through to test the software. And I guess I guess it shows the arrogance of the Democratic Party that they believed that it was going to work, and so when it didn't work, people were embarrassed. I thought what was amazing about what happened, and I've not heard many people talk about it, Jim, but um, we're on a family radio station, so <laughs> I, I have to be careful about what I say here, but... But think about this. Every major news network, both conservative and liberal, was stuck with nothing to say. <laughs> for for well. hours. For hours. Their entire evening of what they were programming to happen to do never happened. Ever happened. And I watched a little bit of Fox and I said... This is insane. I'm not going to stay up for this because it's not never going to happen. And, and the Fox <laughs> well, you you were the you were the smart one, Dan, because uh, I did stay up and uh, I was I was watching the Young Turks coverage on on YouTube and uh, they they were as flabbergasted as everybody else was that they were like, how come there's no results? What's going on here? Um, they started then reporting on some of the weirdness that was going on. Like, for instance, I believe it was someone from MSNBC who tweeted uh, something about the fact that, well, this just does nothing but help Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> well, you know, you, you, ask, you have to ask yourself, you, you got, you, you, if you paid attention, you got a inkling that something wasn't going to work yes over over the weekend the the big um newspaper couldn't publish the last poll did you hear that yes they couldn't publish the last call the last poll now the question becomes because they knew what the results were and they didn't want to publish it is that what happened or was this another gremlin that screwed up the, the system? They've been publishing polls all the way through the, the campaign, but when it came to the last one, for some reason, they just couldn't get the software to work. So is that a situation? Now, I'm, I'm going back, Jim. I'm, I'm reminding you and your audience for the umpteenth time. <laughs> I, I believe, I was really, I got to tell you, Jim, I was really, really pissed this morning at Fox News because this morning they were interviewing Carl Rove and what Carl Rove said 
was that he believed that there will be not be a, no Democrat will have enough votes to win it on the first ballot. It'll go to a brokered convention, and it will be Hillary who will get the nomination. And the reporter said, you know, groundbreaking story. Nobody else has said that. And I'm saying to the television screen, bullcrap, because I wrote about it months ago. That's exactly what's going to happen. And that's what's playing out. Two things that happened besides what the screw-up in Iowa. Mr. Bloomberg, the Democratic National Committee and the chairman have decided that Mr. Bloomberg doesn't have to comply with any of the requirements that all the other candidates had to go through through the primary process. He's got 100, he spent $150 million on his advertising. They want to have him come back and come in on the debate stage. The only, the only candidate who has balked at that is Elizabeth Warren. All the rest of them have kept their mouth shut. He spent 100 and at the end of December, in the reporting period for the Federal Election Commission, he spent about $156 billion on advertising. And based on that number, he, he ranks fourth, and he's about 25% of Bernie. So, but I believe... I believe Hold on. Go, go ahead and go ahead and keep talking, my friend. Go ahead and keep talking. <laughs> um, anyway... I believe that what's going on here is that uh, they're they're trying to squeeze Bernie out again, and the chief culprit trying to do this is Hillary. She's trying to orchestrate around the committee, and with her guy as the chairman uh, of of the uh, the Democratic National Committee. So they've decided that they're going to let Bloomberg be on the stage now. Mr. Trump said over the weekend in his Super Bowl interview, he understands that Mr. Bloomberg would like to have a box to stand on and uh, uh, because he wants to be up at the same level as the rest of the candidate because he's small. He's tiny. Little Mike, as the president calls him. Then, unbeknownst to a lot of people, last week, the Democratic National Committee decided they were going to change the rules to allow superdelegates to vote on the first ballot if they want to. And I think, from what I understand, Ms. Hillary Clinton and her team was behind that because they know they're not going to get enough votes and the operative words if they want to. So the superdelegates, if she controls the superdelegates again, like she did before, and there's not enough votes on the first ballot, she brings in the superdelegates on the third, second or third ballot, she wins the nomination. So, And she's going to say to the convention, I beat him once, I can beat him again, and everybody will go scream wild. And that's what I th think was going to happen. I've said about that for months and months and months. I still think it's going to happen. And um, now the Bernie supporters are saying that if he's not the nominee, they're going to walk away. I don't know whether they're going to walk away too. Are they not going to vote? If they're not going to vote, then my prediction of 48 to 49 to 1 or 2 is going to become more likely. But, Jim, there's another piece that, again, happened a couple of weeks ago, which got very little play, but is extremely important. The Supreme Court has decided to hear a case 
where three electors were in essence fired by the state election commissions and fined a thousand dollars because they refused to vote what the people what they ran for for the people that they said they were a couple of them were Hillary electors and they chose not to vote for Hillary they voted for somebody else so they they are the, the Supreme Court has said they will entertain they will listen to arguments on whether or not whether or not the electoral college should stand now there's a, a serious problem here the supreme court in my opinion doesn't have the right to amend the constitution of the united states we have a process within the constitution that says how the constitution is to be amended and that is by a vote of the people and there are certain percentages that has to have to pass the house and the senate signed by the president and then pass in the states within a certain period of time democrats are trying to circumvent that because they want to get rid of the electoral college and i i think that that's a very dangerous precedent to allow the supreme court to weigh in on that i don't know what's going to happen but it scares me and here's the other thing the court will give its opinion before either party conventions in the summertime and if the supreme court in essence tries to dissolve the electoral college how does the campaign change does it campaigns basically deal with california new york texas and florida and the rest of the states not worth campaigning because there's enough votes in those four states to win the nomination win the presidency so there's a very important issue that's not getting much press or anything about it and um and i think it uh, it needs to be talked about uh and i think that the democrats since they'll lose tomorrow on the indictment of Donald Trump, I look for them to start lobbying the court to overturn and and make the uh, cons- the court to consider seriously overturning the electoral college in a part of our constitution. Okay, well, I think uh, we may have our guest on Skype. I'm not sure. Um, Sandra, can, can you hear us on Skype? Can, can you hear me and IQ and Dan over here? Cause it said that it called you. Are you able to, are you able to hear us? I, I've still got you on the phone cause we're trying to, we're trying to get Skype to phone here, but, uh, oh, I hear you now. There we are. Perfect. Perfect. I hear you on Skype. We're good. Fantastic. We have got, uh, we, we had a little bit of a hiccup with Skype here, and uh, we wanted to get our guest on with us, and I'm glad that we do have our guest with us. Uh, She joins us live. It is Sandra Lee. She's the author of Dear Donald, Letters from a Loving Deplorable. There aren't too uh, many loving people out there anymore, let me tell you. (laughs) Oh, what a hostile group. Now, um, We've also got IQL Rizzoli and Dan Perkins with us today. Of course, each and every uh, week they join us here. Um, Sandra. I have read all of Dan Perkins' books. Look at that. Dan, you're a <laughs> big you. deal, baby. Every one of your books, you are good. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. 
I enjoy I, I enjoy people who tell me they like them. Were Were you scared at all? Well, a little bit. Yeah, okay. I can't. You know, you know how to be scary. But they were informative. They were fun. They were well written. Thank you. Great, great job. I'm very proud to be on the show with you. Thank you. Not my pleasure to be with you too. So, so Sandra, tell us about this book, and then uh, me and IQ and Dan will have some questions for you. Okay. Well, the book was as much a surprise to me as it was to anybody else. I never in a million years thought I would write a political book, but I like thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands, millions of Americans have found politics so exciting with Donald Trump. The man is just interesting, you know? He's captivating, he's different, he's, um, he's not stale the way politicians are so careful and so guarded about the way they present themselves that you go to sleep when you're listening to them. Something about Trump sort of woke everybody up. And I I lived in a home in Ohio, and I have a home in Florida, a condo in Florida. So I lived in three different states. And when I moved to Ohio, I grew up in Ohio, then I moved back to Ohio, I really got a sense of how conservative it is here compared to New York. And it kind of gave me another way of looking at politics. And and I became, I guess, as I grew older, more and more conservative. So I think that happened to Donald Trump too. I sort of grew up with him, you know. I've been I've been my own bad girl when I was a young girl. You know, you you grow, you learn, you change, you become a better person. I've watched him become a better person and boy is he good at what he does. He found his calling in this role as president. I really feel that way. And that's what my book is about. I read him a letter. I started writing him letters. I had no intention of writing this man letters. They were just pouring out of me. And and it was almost as though God were, was speaking to me and saying, write this book. Because I don't know. I don't even know if I wrote it. Somebody wrote it. Some Holy Spirit wrote it. But I couldn't stop writing. So next thing you knew, I had a book. I wrote all these letters to Donald on every single topic. Every day something new is happening. And now I'm almost done with book two. Book one is Dear Donald, Letters from a Loving Deplorable. And book two is Dear Donald, Four More Years. Now, I know I'm being a little presumptuous, but I really think he's going to win. And then book three is going to be Dear Donald, Rainbow in a Winter Sky. I love the man. I think he is a rainbow in a winter sky. And that's what my book is about. Fantastic. Uh, l- l- let's start with IQ. IQ Arizoli, do you have any questions uh, here for our guest? And then I'll turn it over to Dan after. IQ. I'm so glad she loves him because I love him too. And, oh, that's uh, good to and, hear. And Dan loves him also. So really we're on the same wavelength. So I love your accent. Where are you from? I'm originally from Iraq. From Iraq? Isn't that fascinating? My father uh, was born in Lebanon and came to this country in a legal way when he was 18 and really clawed his way up where he worked hard. And he became a very rich man. He had an automobile dealership, a couple of them actually. 
And I loved watching him grow. And I was in the family one of the first women to be college educated. Now I have a master's degree and several other degrees. That was unusual in our culture in America when I was growing up. Not so unusual anymore. Boy, lots of women have their degrees now, don't they? True. But when I grew up in Iraq, uh, the women were very much liberated at the time. Under the, under the monarchy and then after the revolution, it only de degenerated into Sharia uh, when the leftists, uh, the Shia, took over. It's, so, it's heartbreaking. Sharia, yes. I have interviewed many women who have uh, lived under that oppression, and um, it's, it's sad. I try to be open-minded. I think every culture is trying to develop in uh, a good way, but... We're all still growing, aren't we? And I, my book is very positive. I try not to be critical. I try to be positive, and I try to be open-minded. Although I'm open-minded, I'm very critical. My book is about Islam. It's a trilo trilogy. It's called Lifting the Veil, the True Faces of Muhammad and Islam. Oh, I love that title. Well, I, I spent that title. You know, I was going to write a book once called The Veil, because as a Lebanese woman, I, I can relate to that, but I think that's a beautiful title. I'm going to read that book. This trilogy, you can have it, I think, free of charge uh, on the oh. internet. You Google my name, you get everything free of charge. I don't go and, when I mention my book, it's not to sell the book. I cure Rasuli. If you just Google Al Rasuli, A L R A S O L I, there's nobody else on the internet, only me. Wonderful. That's wonderful. So I do you love like Donald Trump? So Donald, Donald Trump is a, as far as I'm concerned, is a God's gift. Not only to America, by the way. He is God's gift to the whole of Western civilization. Because if the leftists take over in the United States of America, Western civilization is doomed. I agree with you, and I, I strongly believe that he is prophetically chosen by God. I do think there's something spiritual going on here that's pretty profound. And whether you believe in that or not, I think many, many of his followers, and they're, they're growing in numbers by the hundreds of thousands, Absolutely. believe that this man has a strong spiritual heart, that he's grown spiritually, that he's changed over the years, and that his destiny is to do all of the things that he's doing, and some of them are quite remarkable. They really are. I can't believe what he did in Mexico and in Canada, the trade dealers, and, and getting rid of the leader of ISIS, and building an embassy in Israel, and, and prison reform, and, and all the different things he's done for um, women, Standing up for the women who are really against late-term abortion. Nobody ever had the nerve to stand for that particular point of view. And I thought that was very brave. Well, very brave. I think the reason is simple. Donald Trump is not a politician. He doesn't to, to lick somebody's backside, ever. He is unique because he is not a politician. He, con he uses America as a... A business deal. It's a corporation. The United States of America is a corporation. He's the CEO. So he wants to make America successful. Why shouldn't he? 
Yes, he's making everything work. Everything work. And I know some people have trouble with his personality. I am the educated suburban woman that everybody is worried about. What are you going to tell your children? I have a son. I have two grandsons. I have no problem telling them that this man, like every man and like every woman, made mistakes and is a sinner. But he is redeemed. He has turned his life in only positive directions. He's doing wonderful things for us. And there are many things about him that I find enjoyable. He's funny. He's charismatic. He's entertaining. He's energetic. And he's strong and determined. Sometimes he's not just funny. He's hilarious. That's refreshing to me. That political speak is too careful, too boring, and I don't believe any of it. When he talks, I believe him. Sandra, you are the only one I have heard, and whether it's male, male or female, who described him exactly the way I think of him. You're the only oh, one. Isn't that great? We have something in common. I wouldn't have thought that given our, our background, but I guess we're more alike than we think. Dan, what do you think? Well, um, it's interesting to see. Um, I was doing a radio show at the time when Donald Trump came down on the Escalator live show, and I was watching the feed on a monitor, and I listened to what he said, and I said, he's going to become the next president of the United States. And my partner on the radio thought I was absolutely insane. I had the same feeling, Dan. Right. There was something about that visual impact, that escalator moment, which was, oh, my gosh, this is it. It was just unbelievable. Right. And, and I said, the reason why I think so is that what he's talking, the words he's using, the things that he's talking about are what the vast majority of this country is concerned about, not the minorities of this country, the majorities. And so... Um, he, he came across as a person who speaks his mind and tells people what he thinks. And that makes him not a politician because politicians will never tell us for sure what they really believe. And I, and I, I, I point to, I just literally came off of one show and onto this show, and I was saying to the, the host on the other show, If you, if you understand that the Constitution says the president can be impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors, and if you look at the charges, the two indictments that came from the House that went to the Senate, they never stipulated a crime. So if there is no crime stipulated, why did we not dismiss it when it came there? which uh, many people were suggesting that that's what should happen. And we went through this whole charade, allowing the Democrats to parade and give all of their agonizing testimony, all of it which was hearsay and not factual. Um, when we saw the differences of what happened to the, um, the Republican or the president's lawyers as they attacked the case from the House and the individual managers from the House, there was no there was no comparison. Now most of it wasn't seen by the American people because the media didn't want to show the shellacking that uh, the people were taking on the House side. But I thought that the most telling moment of how 
disjointed, disorganized, how petulant, how petty the Democrats are. When it came time on the last day for the summaries, on the last summary of the House side, we had a situation where Nadler got up and ran around Schiff to go to the podium, and we could oh, hear. I, I remember that moment. And we can and we can hear through the microphone. And Adam's going. No, what? No, stop! Please stop! He was trying to stop him. He was trying. He was saying to him, Jerry. He was saying, Jerry, 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 and he didn't stop. And you know, it, it seemed to me that what we saw there was. Uh, really the collapse of the Democratic case. But going back to the fact that there was no crime, I think it is possible, based on news that's come out over the last few days, to raise the question, what is Mitt Romney going to do tomorrow at 4 o'clock? You know it's what? Mitt Romney wants to be president. He's never going to be president, but that's one of his dreams in life. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, he's playing his cards in a very self-destructive way. He's never going to beat Donald Trump, no matter what he does. The smartest thing he could do is to get with the team and do anything that he can to support Donald Trump. This man is destined to be a winner. Donald Trump is going to win again and again. He is changing the world. He's changing China. Who could do that? He's mm -hmm. changing the minds of so many different groups who never thought they'd walk away from the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party isn't what it was. I don't know what it is anymore, but it, it doesn't resemble anything that I knew growing up. And so I think Mitt Rom I don't care what Mitt Romney does. I've always liked him, not so much anymore. If he doesn't get on board and support Donald Trump, as far as I'm concerned, his political career is over. I would agree. He, he may be able to continue to convince the the Mormons in Utah to reelect him, just like uh, we have our friends in Minneapolis who are members of the Muslim sect. They'll probably get reelected, but they're not going to go anywhere. Um, I want to um, I want to throw at you a prediction. As Jim and IQ know, I am renowned for my predictions. I predicted the election and other things. Um, and I know it's hard to imagine that, that somebody would be thinking about it today. But I think I figured out who's going to be the Republican candidate for president in 2024. Have you figured that out? Yeah. Who do you think it's going to be? Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows. Congressman South Carolina, who was chairman of the Republican caucus in the House, who was out front on a lot of this stuff, and he's not gonna he's not gonna run again, but I think he's setting up because if you look at it, nothing I don't mean any disrespect to Mr. Pence. Mr. Pence does not have any of the charisma that Donald Trump has. But Meadows, extremely articulate, very passionate, very outgoing, um, I'm picking him to be the, the nominee in 2024. Well, that's interesting. I haven't heard anybody express anything like that. I personally am very fond of Pence. I think he is the quiet stream in a very noisy environment. 
and uh, offers a beautiful juxtaposition to Trump, who is mm-hmm. outrageous in his style. So I'm not uncomfortable with Pence, but I'll certainly keep in mind what your prediction is. It's an interesting yeah. one. If you if you think about Pence, he's a he's a great was a was a great governor, but he doesn't have he doesn't display the passion. I, I, let me give you another example. If if a I had uh, I have four children and they all went to in New Jersey they all went to a Catholic elementary school and a Catholic high school they were both all four of them were boys and in both the elementary school and in the high school uh, there were not enough religious around to become principal of the school either the high school or the elementary school so that the search committee had to find a a non-religious meaning not an, uh, a priest or a nun but find an educator that they felt was qualified and it, it, interesting in both situations if you've been doing something a certain way for a period of time and you change the paradigm many times people will resist changing the paradigm if we have eight years of donald trump and we have eight years of his bombast, his love for America, his openness, his his ability to meet the people. Uh, I don't think that the Republican voters will necessarily want to have somebody who is mild and quiet and not as nearly as aggressive. They're going to want somebody who's going to continue the legacy. And um, Pence may be a great negotiator, may be a great politician, but he doesn't have the charisma of Donald Trump nor the charisma of um, Mark Meadows. And there's discussion. Another thing I'll put on the table is the possibility of the Republicans retaking control of the House in this election. Oh, if, that'd be wonderful. Right. And if they do, I'm throwing in another, another prediction. Um, I think Jim Jordan has a strong possibility from Ohio uh of being the new speaker of the house i'll agree with you about jim jordan i don't agree with you about pence but that doesn't mean that i don't respect your opinion i will certainly keep my antenna up i think pence is the perfect uh the perfect running mate for trump i think trump is so strong that pence is a breath of relaxed air from time to time. I think they're a good juxtaposition. I have no problem with that combination. I don't see Pence as president. Uh, I don't know who the next president will be. I don't know who the next nominee for president will be after Trump. I don't think it'll be Pence. I don't think he's the president that I would want, but I like him in the role of vice president. But you know what? Isn't it wonderful that I'm brave enough to disagree with somebody of your stature? That floors <laughs> me, because I'll tell you something. I have a great deal of respect for your work. I, I, was, I wasn't saying that Meadows is going to replace Pence. I'm saying that Meadows will be the continuation of the Trump legacy. Yeah. Uh, and it, that Pence, nice man, uh, he, he screws up our island when he comes down here on Sanibel two or three times a year and messes up traffic. But that's okay. I, I can live with that. Yeah. 
but I think he's been a great stabilizing force for Donald Trump. He's done a lot of things in the background, and but um, I don't. I think we we are going to come out of this election with momentum to change the paradigm in our country. We well, have to have somebody who has to continue to do that. We had quite a day today, didn't we, with the uh, caucuses, and uh, they're they're now printing, showing on television. Buttigieg had 26.9, Sanders 25, Warren 18. You know, but they haven't counted everything yet. So what did they have? What did they have for Biden? I didn't see that. Biden? Oh, you you don't want to know. Yeah, I do. 15.6. But this is an early count. This is only about half half of the count. This is the half that they were supposedly going to release at five o'clock. Yes. Yeah. But nobody knows when they're going to release the other half. Well, they're busy figuring it out, I guess. And and we got we got the the um the next... chart was twelve and everybody else was zero. So we got we got the um the next primary a week from today, and if they can't figure it out Who's got the momentum going into in, into the next primary? Uh, nobody knows. So it's like they didn't count. But it it is amazing to to think about all the all the Hillary operatives that had their fingers in what was going on in the selection of the company. The board of directors for the company were all Hillary supporters. Uh, the software company. Um, now we've got the the Democratic National Committee says they're going to change the rules, and they're going to allow Bloomberg to be on the stage. What do you think of Bloomberg? His time has passed. He, may, he, he can probably still make a lot of money in his business, and he'll make a lot of money because he has he has a, a priority platform that, that, that Wall Street uses and money managers use. But um, as a president, no. Um, I, I, I don't see, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, to me, he doesn't have the charisma that we think. Forget about Donald Trump. He doesn't have the charisma that we want to associate to the president of the United States. He just doesn't, even with all that money. I mean, I'd want to run up the escalator and help him down the stairs. He just doesn't. You can't buy what Donald Trump has. You can't buy it. It's not for sale. Whatever it is, I don't know if it is. If it's a blessing from God, if it's just something he's grown into as he's become an older man, I don't know if it's this lovely marriage that he's in with this beautiful woman. I don't know if it's the energy he gets from his children. Whatever it is, this man has a magic about him and nobody can touch it. I agree. And I think that if you if you step back and you look at the Trump family, most Americans would say, this is what my president and his family should look like. They're all gorgeous people. They're very poised. The first lady is both smart and elegant. She speaks five languages fluently. She gets very little favorable press at all. But she's a, she's a gorgeous woman. She works with him. She, there is a chemistry that you can see that's there. Ivanka and Jared, great team. And the rest of the family, they're all dynamic people. And as one person said some time ago, they all made their money before they came into the presidency, as opposed to trying making money in the presidency. And this and is that, what I would say to the suburban woman. Oh, she's worried what she's going to say to her children. You say to your children, this is a family to be admired. This mm -hmm. is a family that has had a history of 
problems and mistakes, but they have redeemed themselves. They have stayed whole. They have stayed committed as a family. They treat each other, all of them, all of them, the ex-wives, the children from other marriages. You know, this is a very complicated generation that we're living in. And many of us have more than one marriage. But this is a family that is conducting itself with love and with dignity and with mutual caring. And that's to be admired. Mm, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. Um, so talk a little bit more about your book. Give us some sense of, of where, you, where you're going, where you went with this. What is, give us the storyline, if you would. Well, you know, it's a collection of letters. And letters are a powerful tool. In God's hand, Paul, John, and Luke wrote letters. So at first, I'm writing letters to my cousins and letters to my friends and letters to the governor and letters to the senator. And, and then I wrote so many letters, I said, my gosh, I'm writing to Donald Trump, but I'm really sending them to all my friends and, and, and political people in Ohio. And I said, I've written so many of these, it's a book. So it sort of poured out of me. It just poured out of me. And I touch on things that happen every day. One minute I'm talking to my kids, my neighbors, and my friends, and it's me talking about my life. And then within the next paragraph, I'm jumping into something that happened to Donald Trump that day, or something that happened politically, or how that affected me as a woman, or how that affected my children, my grandchildren, or my neighbors. So it's a very suburban woman's point of view. I guess I can add educated suburban woman's point of view. It's not that I wrote it with a mission to change the mind of suburban women. I didn't. I just happened to be the suburban woman who felt this way. So I think it resonates with women a lot. But then when a woman reads it, she'll call me and say her husband read it, her brother read it, and they enjoyed it. One of the good things about the book is it's gracious. And, you know, I have my own style. I'm not a Donald Trump. I don't speak the way Donald Trump does. I love the way Donald Trump speaks. I'm not trying to be Donald Trump. The, the Democrats, and sometimes even the Republicans who ran against him, were trying to be Donald Trump. Maybe if I could sound like him, or tell jokes like him, or acquire his style, or be aggressive, or be combative. You know, you can't be who you're not. You have to be who you are. I'm like the gracious little princess. He is who he is, and I love him exactly the way he is, because he's authentic. So my book is authentically me. It's very pro-Trump. And it's very comprehensive in that it talks about things that are going every going on every day in the news related to Trump and related to my personal life. So it's easily relatable. And it's easy to read. Most of the people who get it say they read it in two or three days. So have you sent it to the president? I did. And he didn't call me up yet. <laughs> maybe, he does, maybe he doesn't have it yet. I sent it to Alex Azar, who's um, uh, I'm Lebanese, and uh, he liked it, so that was good. Yeah, I, I had sent something to the president, um, and it took months and months and months before it was even acknowledged. That That's one of my ambitions in life is, uh, by the time I've written that third book, I expect a red carpet to the White House 
and an invitation, and um, that should be fun. And maybe we'll be there together. Won't that be fun? Sure. It would be amazing. Um, so talk about the second and third book. The second book, Donald Trump, Four More Years, is almost done. I need to write maybe 30, 35 more pages, and then I will get that one published and up on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And then um, I'm counting on him being elected, and then I'm going to have fun when he's in his second term talking about all the positives and how he is indeed a rainbow in a winter sky. The winter sky is not so much about the season we're in, in terms of weather, but the season we've been in since 9-11. You know, I lived in New York and I could see the city skyline from my front porch the day of 9-11. And I, I can't even tell you how heartbreaking and earth-shattering and life-changing that moment was to see the Twin Towers disintegrate before my eyes. So I think from that day forward, I became much more interested in government, in politics, in world affairs. You know, you wake up, it was a wake-up call. It was like, what is going on in the world and what can I do to make it better? And that's what my book is about. It's about making it better. I have a church I go to that's very multicultural, very multiracial. And when this book first came out, the black people in my church were kind of angry with me. The pastor was afraid to even hold it up. So that was kind of uh, discouraging. But over the months, you know, I participate in Bible classes and participate in church activities and and gave the book to people without charge. You know, I like to do that. Sometimes I just give it away. Son of a gun, they started reading it, and now they're all kind of moving beautifully in my direction. So it's, you know, it's drip by drip by drip, voter by voter by voter, person by person by person. You just have to do it one day at a time. Have you done any book tours? No. But I am doing lots of interviews on Skype and on the phone, and I'm thrilled to be able to do that. What a new world we're living in. I'm in every city in the country. I'm talking to millions of people, and I can do that without getting on a plane or getting on a train or getting in my car or leaving my home. And that gives me plenty of time to continue my writing, and I'm, I'm very thrilled I'm very thrilled with the way this is working out. And I feel safe. You know, it's not a safe environment at the moment. I think it'll pass, and I think it'll pass quickly. But it's not going to pass right away. And there are too many people who are so angry with the success that Donald Trump has had. You know, I'm a delicate woman. I, what, am I going to fight with these people? I don't, I don't want any part of that con kind of confrontation. So this so, is a good way for me to promote the book. So if Donald Trump gets reelected president, are you going to go to the inauguration? What a question. I, I haven't given that any thought. Are you going? I'm going to try. Absolutely. I'll, I'll stand on the streets and watch. I mean, I, I, I would love to do that. Um, it's a, it will be a special moment in the history of our nation when Donald Trump is sworn in for a second term.
And well, uh, maybe we'll meet there. That would be wonderful. And we'll yeah. toast. We'll toast to the Donald. Yes, absolutely. That Jim, back to you. Great. Well, uh, this is definitely a fantastic, fantastic uh, interview today. Now, uh, what, what, do you, what do you want folks to get out of your book? I want them to be relaxed. You know, I've read, I'm not kidding you, 200 books. I've read, I read a lot of books over the last year and a half. That's all I did was read books, read books, read books. And I had to, in order to get enough information and enough points of view to feel comfortable talking about Donald Trump as his life related to my experience. But my book is easy reading. It's the kind of reading that, you know, people are busy. They're very busy. They're taking their kids to school. They're holding down full-time jobs. They're cutting the lawn. They're, they're organizing their business. People are so busy, it's hard for them to find time to read some of the books that I've read, I can tell you. I've made a, a quest of it, but I've kind of, from the books that I've read, gleaned some of the important things that I've learned from these wonderful authors. And I've shared them in a way that's easily digestible, day by day, week by week, year by year. And um, it's it's sort of a nice, easy read, a nice, positive read, a nice, hopeful read, and a very spiritual read as well. I uh, I just finished reading all the Jonathan Kahn books. It's kind of interesting, the Oracle Uncensored. And he strongly supports, biblically, that Trump is destined for his particular calling right now, and that that is prophesied biblically. That's an interesting point of view. You know, who am I to say if that's right or wrong? But I read and read and read and read. Can't get enough of what everybody is saying. Write down the name of every book where people are talking about either the pros or the cons of what's going on politically. And boy, have I grown from it. It's been a wonderful adventure. Do you have your book available in audio? Not yet. I started to record it. And I got so busy trying to finish book two that I didn't finish the recording. But I should do that. I agree with you. You're going to find that you're going to, the sales, if it's, if it's well done, and I'm not saying it wouldn't be, but you're going to see that almost 40% of all the books sold today now are audiobooks because of all the things that you talked about. You put a set of earbuds and you, you put it in your phone and you play it while you're cutting the grass or Whatever else you're doing. Or, or you're driving or you're in the gym. I agree with you. Thank you for reminding me about that. I, because I, I really should get that done. And 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 I chose, uh, my first three books are all an audio book. I chose not to read them. I hired a professional because I uh, am older and I don't have <clears throat> as strong a voice as I did when I was younger. And these are, as you've seen, you know, those are long books. So you might want to think about it. And it's not very expensive to find a professional to read it for you. And finding a producer to produce it, uh, you'll get many times your money back because everybody's looking for it. Well, you, do you have it in audio? And your answer today is no. Well, then I better get on the stick. So when you, so I have a method to my madness. So when you, 
make your audio book. I have a foundation called Songs and Stories for Soldiers. It's an MP3-based system that we have given to over 19,000. We just added today, Jim, the big VA hospital in St. Louis. Um, And we give it because we're working with the VA and other veteran service organizations to deal with traumatic brain injury, PTSD, sleep deprivation, and suicide prevention. So when you get it to an audio book, I want you to donate it to my foundation so I can put it on the player to give to veterans. Oh, I would be delighted to do that. Okay. So now you have a reason to get it done. Yeah, I have a reason to get it done. God bless you. That's a wonderful venture. Yes. Okay, Jim. We have got uh, great guests with us today here in our program. Now, um, IQ, sitting back and listening to Dan and listening to our guest here, uh, what, what, what do you make of, of all this? Well, on the 2024, I think Nikki Haley will be president. The oh, first what an president. interesting, what an interesting idea. Because I don't know that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, she's dynamic, she's aggressive in a nice way, very polite, and she is very presentable. She talks beautifully, and she doesn't take bullcrap from anybody. She is, I mean, Donald Trump is her, her mentor in a way. He put her there. So I think 2024 is hers. Okay, it could be wrong, but you know your book must be really, really good. God willing, I will order it on Amazon. Well, thank you very much. Dear Donald, Letters from a Loving Deplorable by Sandra Lee. It's it's exciting to write a book. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my children reading this book changed our relationship. My friends and family and neighbors reading this book changed our relationship. When you write a personal book along with making political statements, Boy, people get to know you in ways they never knew you before. And that has been the greatest gift of all. I won the love and the respect of friends, neighbors, and family. Isn't that a joy? Excellent. God bless you. Well, as we wrap up here, uh, Dan, give give, give me your take on uh, today's program and, and, and what you see happening this week. Oh, I, I loved our guest. I think she's 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 very articulate. She seems to be well-informed. And uh, she would be even better if she had an audio book. But, and, and think about that for books two and three. It'll change your, change your opportunity as an author in the marketplace. Um, I, th- I think that um, Hillary is continuing to work behind the scenes with all of her minions to get control of the Democratic Party and to get the nomination. And... I uh, I don't know whether if if I'm correct, whether anybody will come back to me and say, you know, Dan, you mentioned that a year ago, um, but it's not important that they they uh, that they recognize it. Just that understanding that what a great country we live in live in because people can have different points of view, and some of us respect other people's points of view while others do not. Absolutely amazing. IQ, as we wrap up here, uh, g- give, give us your take on today's show and everything else. Well, thank God you got another de- very decent, very pro Trump guest. Sometimes you get some really morons. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
if our guest is interested, all you need to do is Google my name, Al Rasuli, A L R A S O L I. My projects are only to do with Islam. Only with Islam. I will definitely, I will definitely locate them. It was a joy to meet you and to speak with you. It was an honor to uh, speak with a, an author whose work I so greatly admire. And I want to thank you for having me as a guest on the show. Yes. Uh, Sandra, before we let you go, how do we find your books and uh, communicate with you online, everything else? Well, the books are at Amazon.com. And um, they're also at Barnes & Noble. And you can find me on my website, www.deardonaldbooks.com. Or email me at Sandra Lee at DearDonaldBooks.com. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, thanks to everybody. And we will talk to everybody uh, very soon. I'll talk to Dan and IQ next week. And Sandra, I will be in touch, my Just friend. You are amazing. Thank you. Thank you, thanks guys. Thanks for Bye. It. There Bye. they go. Uh, Sandra Lee, IQ Arizoli. And, of course, Dan Perkins, who apparently told us to just hang up. So we did. <laughs> we'll see you next time.